Hi there, welcome to the Way Beyond Words podcast, hosted by me, Peter J. Ryan, and Abel Z. Each week you will be dropping in a conversation of ours about the techniques, psychology, and philosophy of experiential focusing, and our favorite philosopher, Eugene Genlin. Thanks for joining us. A pet relationship is a mixed species group in some sort of home. That you feed. Yeah, there's a lot given back and forth. I watch a lot of orangutan videos, you know? Mm -hmm. They're very cool. Orangutans are so smart and very cool. And uh, I'm bringing this up because orangutans appear to understand the concept of animals being cute and needing other animals being cute and needing to be taken care of. So much so that instead of them eating a treat, they will give a treat to a dog or uh, like pet. they like really enjoy pets and animals in like a cute way and want to care about them. Now, is that maybe coming from a place of them like being smart enough to imitate humans doing that? Sure, but it's still really interesting that relationship and that difference and why it makes it so profound to see an orangutan giving a dog a treat. <laughs> so nice. I noticed that the cultural concept that we have and that is largely in question of there being prey and predators and ever more apex predators, mm -hmm. that triangle kind of mm -hmm. thing. That graphic of the triangle with like apex predators like ourselves and sharks and whatnot on top. And then all this other kind of animals that consume and are consumed as you go down to a never wider base of this triangle graphic. That feels to me so simple-minded. Absolutely. And dogs do not always hunt cats and bigger cats do not always hunt dogs right like mm -hmm. they are in relationship with each other mm -hmm. often and that relationship is highly variable right depending on blood i don't know mm. also with with cats uh have not evolved very much cats have pretty much been the same since they have existed on the earth they haven't had to uh evolve very much and so having a cat in your house is pretty much like an apex predator living in your house but cats became domesticated as a means of survival thus using humans those are big statements you're making i think that's true though and it's kind of i like thinking about it that way has taken advantage of the opportunity. Dogs have been specialized by breed in a way that cats haven't been. Definitely. I mean, you don't really have working cats. Not really. No. You have barn cats. And that's part of the deal. That was part of the deal. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll kill the animals and even bring them some to you as a gift mm -hmm. to continue the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that gift giving is a way of getting validation for their status and making sure that they're secure it's really a way of like representing the relationship and getting a new response to make sure the relationship's okay, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I guess just thinking about pets living in home and animals having felt sense and that interaction and that relationship. Every single morning before I even realize I'm awake, my cat is knowing, is realizing that I'm awake through like sense or smell or movement or maybe I'm breathing different at that time of the morning that I wake up. And I, I think that 
like our domestic pets, I think most of us might have a sense that something's different about the morning if the bus doesn't go by, but we will we'll get a sense like, wait, something's different. But I think that dogs and cats and maybe birds do this, you know, parrots mm -hmm. or whatnot, mm -hmm. they sense the entire situation entirely each time. And so they know it's not, they know it's the weekend because the school bus doesn't go by and the kid sleeps in mm. and so many things are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Whereas they know it's the weekday without having the concept for it because things proceed in a certain way. And they, and let's just say that it's a weekday and the school bus comes by, but nobody goes out to it. And then there's something different, but they're also sensing that the kid is sick and that there's a different protocol, there's a different procedure. And they have a felt sense about that. Yeah, they have absolutely. a bodied sense that the situation is different and the procedure is different. And, a, you know, a, an intelligent enough animal and an animal with enough experience in that home will very easily learn, very rapidly learn these hundreds and hundreds of different variations on the situation. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, how do they know that she's coming home right now? Yeah, how could they even know that? Well, they're not psychic. They're not sensing it from 10 miles away, but it's a little darker. It's time. They've been waiting. I feel like maybe they've been waiting. The neighbor comes home and then they... Or they hear the beep of your car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, um, these are bodied, like when we say felt sense, we mean a bodied, a feeling of the body in a particular part of the body that's very, it's very particular and specific, but it's also kind of vague about the whole situation, kind of like you walk into a room and you're like, something's different here. And you just know that something's different, but you can't put your finger on it yet. And so you can notice this with animals with daylight savings time when the clocks change, mm -hmm. but they're usually mm -hmm. only unsure for one day. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, okay, back I to it. Now. This happens every once in a while. So that bodied sense of a situation for an, a pet, right, is really profound because it's the way that they anticipate their people. That also points to a lot of what traumatized animals are going through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And how it's so hard for them to let that go because mm -hmm. they were so integrated and involved without the concepts to explain it. Mm -hmm. Well, like animals who are forced to live in chaotic homes mm -hmm. where there's violence or conflict or very erratic feeding and being let out. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, those, those animals become kind of uh, independent and feral right. within a very uh, unpredictable domestic context. And that's extremely stressful. Yeah. I mean, children, it makes children into crazy people right. for much of their lives unless they get a lot of help with it. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, how can I, how can I find some other concepts to help me imagine more richly what my dog or cat or whomever's experiences. It just takes a work of imagination. Mm -hmm. I think in like a sense of uh, really active compassion and really like taking in the whole. I think as a concept, we have to start with granting all these animals personhood. Absolutely, I and, think so. And once we, once we use the concept of personhood to include say our cat, then um, our imagination goes somewhere new, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's an example of how a concept, a linguistic, a language, something for humans can uh, open us 
to new experiencing, we say, oh yeah, this cat is a person in all the ways that a human is a person. Mm -hmm. And then, and because they're a person, they also have needs that are particular and specific to them, that are intimate to them. Right. My cat likes to get in the bathtub with me when I take a shower. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and you can't ask why. No. But you can maybe notice how it evolved, how it, how it developed this desire. To... He's always had a fascination with water, and he gets really interested when the water is going down the drain. And I have a sense that he wonders where it goes, or he just likes the sound of it. I have no idea. It has nothing to do with me. Everything to do with the water. Except you're in the situation, so of course it has Well, yeah, sure. I'm in there, but he's not worried about not like in a, He's not like needing to be close to me. He's just very interested in the whole thing. He thinks water is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, just, you know all developing their own personalities and senses and what they do and what they you know it's hard not to project human concepts and personalities onto them it's so funny that your cat cannot that veto cannot let you know what it is about his experience with the water that is so interesting to him leaves open you being sentimental or romantic or imaginative about his experience. Yeah. Absolutely. But you can use other concepts to stop yourself from doing that. Yeah. Right. So one concept might be like, I know there are limits to what I can understand about his experience. So I'll put those aside. And I'll just observe a lot. Yeah. Or maybe do some experiments, like just turn it on without being in there and see if he's equally fascinated. Yeah, I do. And is he? Yes. I tried to get him a water bowl that like automatically fills the water afterwards, but he liked the bubbles in it so much that he would push it over all the time whenever it made a bubble sound because he maybe wanted to hear the bubbles again or he was confused about where it was coming from. <laughs> it's really... He was trying to find out. Yeah, he was trying. He was really investigating. And that would he would spill it all over and then there would be a whole... Well, one thing we know about cats is that they investigate. Yeah. Right? So that oh, wouldn't yeah, so be, that's not a sentimental way of looking at cats to say that he would be experimenting and investigating. Yeah, he yeah, definitely does. Right? That's, a, that's definitely a cat thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that is that. From the Experience Studio at Counseling Confidence in Doylestown, PA. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Abel. And thank you, Mike Whartonby, for producing this. Join us next week. And in the meantime, have fun. <laughs>